The last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR. Oh, man, Renee. Oh, man, Mike. In, in a, shoe, a few short weeks, no, a few short days. Woo, it's Monday. It is a holiday work week. <laughs> it's a short uh, one. Let's make it a good one. My mind is not in it. In just a few short days, Ford Field is going to be absolutely rocking with the 8-2 and two Lions coming in to face the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers. Jack Harlow is going to walk in and say, it's too loud. I can't hear. I can't hear my earpiece during the halftime show. Wait and, a minute. Uh, Can we pause for one moment? Can you yeah. listen to what you just said? Going what, Jack into Harlow? Thing- no, no, no. Going into Thanksgiving, we are 8-2. and two. And we we might end end Thanksgiving nine and two with the division mostly in hand. And, we are eight uh, and two. I have a tear yeah. in my eye. Well, <laughs> I think a lot of people, especially yesterday, it started off with with tears of uh, of depression yeah. and it ended up with tears of joy. But you know, you know me, uh, Renee. There was never a doubt in my mind. Oh, don't you even. Don't you even, <laughs> Mike Parsons. I almost yes. jumped through my phone. Actually, oh. I almost came straight to your house because of your Facebook post. I know my husband was ready to. I Wait, saw that I... post, too. I'm like, yeah. Wait a second. What did I say, guys? You said better luck maybe on Thanksgiving. Uh, no, it yeah. said, and I quote, uh, well, we'll try again on yeah. Thanksgiving. Well, let me give you uh, a little bit of context. And it turns out that my Facebook friends list is full of Nostradamuses that knew <laughs> that the Lions were going to come back. Um, you know, it was, what, six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Jared Goff was not having his best game. The he offense was not. was not of sync. We could not stop Justin Fields from getting a first down. Third and 15, and he scrambles for a first down. And I just said to myself, it's not the Lions' day. Um, I wasn't all saying same old lines. I'm like, hey, sometimes good teams have bad days. And uh, really, everyone should be thanking me because as soon as I posted Uh that is when the comeback started. You know what? Here's what I will say. You were saying what we were thinking. You were just posting it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know what? And and here's what that. Yes, I, I acted a little too irrationally. Uh-huh. I, did, I I almost deleted it, but I said, I'm going to leave it up to kind of take my medicine. That's um, right. At least you weren't one of the deleters. Right. But I, I just love how everyone, nobody, nobody, nobody commented on my status before the comeback happened. Nobody was saying, oh, Mike, don't worry. They're going to come. Everyone waited until after the comeback was complete <laughs> to compile on. But you know, joking aside, I had a little fun with it. I, I think it's a defense mechanism. I really do think it's a defense mechanism for Lions fans. But like, oh, here we go. We knew, we knew the letdown was coming, and here it comes. And uh, um, they, they keep defying expectations. Yep. I think that it really showed the mental toughness of Jared Goff, who even though he was having one of his worst games as a Lion up until that uh, the the, the end of the fourth quarter he got it together the team got it together and uh, it, it was a lot it of fun to watch it was and well i don't know about fun it was a little stressful <laughs> it was fun for a half quarter of football <laughs> yeah but uh yeah uh just uh a great win and uh you know what we'll uh we'll we'll keep it going 
yeah. uh, on Thanksgiving versus the uh, versus the Green Bay Packers. I had a point to make, but I lost it anyway. A win is um, a win, and we'll take it. There you go. Uh, on to Michigan's other professional football team, the Michigan Wolverines. They held on to beat Maryland Saturday, 31-24, to setting up a battle of undefeateds against their arch-rival Ohio State. Big game made bigger with playoff implications, and we're learning a little bit more on the sudden change of course late last week where Michigan went from fighting the Big Ten's three-game suspension of Jim Harbaugh to accepting it. Uh, we were all very confused right in. We, we knew something shady was happening. Yeah, what is this uh, Uncle T? He's a uh he's a, a a booster? I don't know, but Uncle T if you're listening, my Venmo is no just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh all we know right now is that uh, this 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 Uncle T he was the one who was uh paying for Connor Stallion's tickets um to other teams games. Of course, we all knew someone was paying for him because Connor Stallions was making $55,000 a year. You know, and uh, I like how when whenever you see this story, they say only $55,000 a year. For a lot of people, that's a decent salary. That's true. Can but, we stop putting only before it? Okay, well, I apologize. But I only say only because um, this Uncle T fella, he bought tickets to more than 30 games over the past three seasons and you cannot afford that on a $55,000. No, I understand that, but still stop saying only for a lot of people. Okay. That's a decent salary. Not just you, Mike. He was making $55,000. Thank you. A year. Proceed. And we don't know who he is. There's a couple names that have been floating around there, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say them because we're, we're, we're going to wait to find out who he is before we drag his name through the mud. But uh, Friday, Michigan fired linebackers coach Chris Partridge for deleting electronic evidence pertaining to the sign-stealing case. After the news broke, another source says Partridge also pressured players to not cooperate with the NCAA investigation. And uh, the fire of Chris Partridge kind of reminds me of the firing of former co-offensive coordinator Matt Weiss back in January uh, because he illegally obtained access to a number of people's uh, online accounts. And I, I, I'm wondering if those could be connected because back when that happened it seemed kind of random and confusing but it could be circumstantial but it also feels like these could be some dots that are connecting mm -hmm. um so good news on the labor front renee um if if you want to go and bet on the lions you won't have to cross uh picket lines at two of the three detroit casinos because they've reached an agreement yep. with uh with their unions. Yep. Casino workers at Hollywood Casino in Greektown and Motor City Casino have voted to ratify the new contract that was tentatively agreed to on Friday, effectively ending a 34-day strike at both properties Sunday evening. Union members at MGM Grand Casino voted to reject the proposal deal, and they'll continue to strike. The five-year agreements for Hollywood and Motor City Casinos includes 2,800 employees who will be the beneficiaries of the largest wage increases ever negotiated over the decades-long history of the casino industry for Detroit. Other benefits for the workers at these two casinos include a $3 per hour raise up front and a $5 per hour raise over the life of the contract and a protected health care standard with no increased cost to employees. So pretty sweet deal. Yeah, and uh, meanwhile, Ford and Solanus ratified their contract with UAW over the weekend, bringing... Um, this year's long, at times hostile negotiations to an end. 
Um, hopefully this will give the economy a little shot in the arm here coming up on the holidays. Yeah. And uh, on the uh, over in Israel and Gaza, a couple of updates. Cutter says that they are closing in on a deal to release Israeli hostages from Hamas. Um, they say that right now the only thing that's uh, holding things up are just logistics. But I think a lot of people are um, going to be cautiously optimistic until the um, hostages are are actually released. And uh, El Shifa Hospital um, has it been evacuated yet, Renee? Um, they said that uh, there's a skeleton crew that are caring for those that are too sick to move. Uh, and Israeli forces uh, are in control of the facility. The exodus from the Shifa Hospital in Gaza City came the same day that Internet and phone services was restored to the Gaza Strip. So that's ending a telecommunications blackout that forced the United Nations to shut down critical humanitarian aid and deliveries because it was unable to coordinate its convoys. So uh, it's not completely evacuated. Those that are too sick to leave are still there. So Yes, but no, I suppose right. is the answer. Yeah, um, it, it, they've made great progress. They moment, have made so. great progress. Um, uh, meanwhile, Israel continues to release pictures of tunnels under the hospital and weapons stored around the facility, but has not yet found any concrete evidence of Hamas operating a headquarters underneath the uh, complex. Mass graves are beginning to pile up near the hospital's yeah. entrance and President Biden penned an op-ed in the Washington Post over the weekend saying that a ceasefire would not bring peace to the re- region if Hamas doesn't change its ways and called for a two-state solution with revitalized Palestinian authority and control of Gaza and the West Bank. You're listening to First, first thing, thing with Mike Parsons, first Renee Vitale. Mike Parsons you can stream us anytime on the WJR app or on Alexa or Google where Home. Michigan comes we'll to back. talk. Well, I have to be honest with you, Renee. I didn't really know much about Rosalind Carter. Uh, she was out of office a little bit before my time, but learn a, a little bit more about her since she passed away over the weekend at age of 96. And it sounds like she was a bit of a trailblazer. Yeah, she uh, she was really uh, Jimmy Carter's right hand woman. Yeah, and uh, it sounds like she was kind of in the vein of your your um, Eleanor Roosevelt's, your Hillary Clintons, and and this was back in the seventies where she was sitting in on a lot of these these meetings and these big important decisions. Um, you know, back when women still had to get permission from their husbands to get a credit card. And yeah, it's and uh, you know everyone says about the Carters, they there was. You know, there, there, there's a lot of people who didn't care for Jimmy Carter as, as a president or Rosalind Carter as a first lady. But I think everyone can agree that the humanitarian they work, the work that they did afterwards, um, I think that uh, th- that's that's a great legacy to leave behind. She really took the uh, stigma out of mental health care. You know, she was a, a huge mental health care advocate. And I mm-hmm. do love that he said that. Uh, marrying Rosalind was the best thing that I ever did and called her his best friend. I just, you know, it's so nice to hear those stories when, you know, we live in a time where divorce is the norm. You know, just, right. I, I love that. I love love there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were ma- married for 72 years. So 77. Uh, Seventy-seven. Wow. Yeah. I'm just getting things wrong over all over the place. Also, I guess it's pronounced Rosalind Carter. 
uh, Guy Gordon listening to us. So, yes, uh, we're showing our age, but uh, rest in peace. She de- deserves uh, uh, a lot of respect and admiration. Um, now to a uh, current from from a former first lady and president to a current president. Joe Biden looks like he's in trouble. A new epic MRA poll out of Lansing shows President Biden trailing former President Donald Trump 46 to 41 here in Michigan. Similar poll by NBC News shows Biden trailing Trump by two points. And Renee, we're we're a year out from the election. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put too much stock in polls at this point. Uh, Way too much can happen between now and then. But I think. What is concerning if you're President Biden is the runaway momentum that former President Trump seems to to have right now, because up until recently, Biden seemed to be up on Trump in the majority of the polls. Right. Well, you know, there's there's concerns here. Uh, You know, his age. People are concerned about, you know, he turns 81 this month, you know, if he should run again because of his age. You know, there's there's question about inflation. (laughs) And. And one of the major drivers, I guess, of his free fall is people are not impressed with the way he's handling the Israel-Hamas conflict. There's that. Could be why he wrote uh, an op-ed in the Washington Post. And I wonder if that will cause any movement in the polls one way or another. But uh, You know, there's there's also a question about how he's handling the southern border. <laughs> there's pretty much a question of how he's handling everything. Right. I, he's. He doesn't have a and and that comes with the territory of being president. But I, I think I think overall, I think it it really comes down to your demeanor and if you instill confidence in people. Right. And I think the fact that um, not just his age, but his energy level, the fact that he doesn't always seem completely cognizant. I think that's making people worry, especially um you know, with with how precarious things on the world stage have gotten under his administration from the botched pullout of Afghanistan to what's happening in in Russia and Ukraine to what's happening over in the Middle East. So um, he could be in trouble and Donald Trump may have to do nothing other than give a couple of uh, statements between court appearances and and he might run away with this thing. You know, there's also the possibility there's been some whispers about Democrats um, running somebody else against him uh, officially. Yeah. Obviously, Whitmer's name has popped up. Gavin Newsom, the governor out of California. So we'll see. I feel like it's going to be a very wild election season. That it will be. So uh, Taylor Swift has had a tumultuous um, Tour. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in in South America. Yeah, a 23-year-old woman died at her show in Rio over the weekend. There's no word on the cause of death, but uh, the heat was staggering, and fans weren't allowed to bring in their own water into the stadium. The daytime temperature was over 100 degrees, but fans were complaining that it felt a lot worse inside the stadium, and Taylor was actually tossing water bottles into the crowd from the stage, and she even stopped the show to make sure that fans were hydrated. Then she postponed her Saturday show due to the extreme heat. And as for the fan who passed away, Taylor said, quote, I can't believe I'm writing these words, but it is with shattered heart that I say that we lost a fan earlier tonight before my show. And then something else interesting happened. This is a sidebar. As she arrived in Brazil, a welcome message was projected onto the Christ the Redeemer statue. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No pun intended. Oh, yeah, right. It was made to look like the junior 
Jewels shirt that Taylor wears in her You Belong to Me video, or You Belong With Me video, I should say. Uh, yeah, so uh, even JC is a Taylor Swift fan, apparently. Yeah, and we made jokes about how she defeated the devil back in October because the Exorcist uh, moved its release date to yeah. not. But I, I'm not religious, Renee. That seems a bit sacrilegious, <laughs> sacrilegious. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it's a bit I much. Mean, yeah, I think that sometimes there's 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 a, a hue and cry from religious people, and I think they're overreacting. Uh, if they were offended by this, I think I would kind of actually understand. I, I it made me a little cringe. Yeah, I yeah. I, ooh, I didn't like that. Yeah, and then back to uh, this young fan who passed away. The fact that the venue wasn't allowing water in—that is nuts. I wonder if they're going to face any. Um, legal repercussions from that right yeah i'm sure see i was thinking about this is are you allowed to bring in bottles of water to say ford field i i mean you can buy them you can uh, buy them but are you allowed to bring in your own i don't know i don't think so i I guess that's a good question no I, I guess, and maybe that's that's the question. Maybe I misunderstood. I thought they weren't allowed to bring any water, whether they bought it at the venue or not. Well, most venues are like that because they want to sell their own. Sell their own. And, right. you know, water and, let's say, vodka look very similar. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, well, I, I don't so, know how that works. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and I, I guess the question, were they not allowing any water into the stadium? Like, did you have to, even if you bought the water there, did you have to drink it outside the I, stadium? Or were they just talking about outside? See, I believe that you're able to bring in empty bottles, and then they have, like, water dispensers, like, drinking yeah. fountains that you can fill your own. I think that's how it works at Ford Field, for yeah. example. Yeah, yeah I, I was know. wondering. I don't know how that yeah, works yeah, over there. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, I guess maybe there should be an exception made um, with extreme temperature. I don't know. Yeah. 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 But yeah, very. I'm sure and, this isn't the end that we'll, uh, we're going to hear of this. Right. And then I wonder if maybe there needs to be some kind of rules that say if it's a certain if, if it's a certain degrees outside, then maybe you shouldn't have outdoor concerts, because if it's 100, if it's 100 degrees outside, it's probably much more than that when you're packed in with a bunch of right. people seeing a concert and moving and all that body heat radiating. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, kudos to Taylor Swift for throwing water to people in the crowd. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, that's just like the first five rows. That's right. like, that's like yeah. flicking specks of water into a crowd. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like she was trying, but obviously was. It, it was, it was nowhere near enough. No, absolutely not. Um, so Elon Musk plans to file what he calls a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters after a large amount of big money advertisers such as Apple, Amazon, and Disney pulled their money from Twitter X. Media Matters, they published a report late last week showing ads from big brands appearing next to user posts they say qualifies as hate speech after Elon Musk endorsed an anti-Semitic post calling it the truth. And... Uh, I had the post right here, and I'd like to just kind of read it in context so that uh, people get the full story. It's a little bit over my head, but uh, it says, "Okay, Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dielectric hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. And then it goes on to talk about great replacement theory. So uh, Musk accused Media Matters of creating an alternate X account to follow controversial accounts 
and uh, sending objectionable posts to advertisers. I don't know if he has a case, though. Why is that? Well, isn't Media Matters criticizing Musk and other controversial accounts, them exercising their free speech, even if they send the screenshots and post off to advertisers? It's up to the advertisers to act on it or not. And I, I think a lot of people confuse what free speech actually is. No one's sending Elon Musk to jail for what he's posted or no one's sending him for allowing hate speech to run rampant on a social media platform. That's all the First Amendment protects against. It doesn't protect him against consequences of his speech or people deciding to no longer do business with him. So I don't know. I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, obviously, he might have a case because he can probably afford some really, really good lawyers. Yeah. But all things being equal, I don't know if he has a case. I mean, they have the right to pull their advertising. Exactly. And uh, yeah, and, and I don't know if he's going after the advertisers or media matters themselves. It, it seems like it's mostly media matters, but I mean, media matters can they can they they can take objections to content that they find to be objectionable. They can send screenshots to advertisers. It's uh, it's uh, it's not like they're doing anything illegal there, and it's not like it's slander unless they actually make up the screenshots. If it's screenshots that are actually posted on, on the platform, right. Then, then it's not slander. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. But uh, like I said, Elon Musk has could probably afford some pretty good lawyers. So, so they might find a way to, to make this lawsuit happen. Uh, and this is the time of the morning. I like to bring in Lloyd Jackson and Jamie Edmonds from the JR morning show. And guy Lloyd, Jamie, Renee, I did not, think that uh for most of that game yesterday that we'd be hearing lloyd singing this morning but uh here we are <laughs> we thought we'd be hearing lloyd crying this morning i was, yeah, I was ready <laughs> i was ready but, uh, he was, he was but, at the game yeah I was he was there. singing along at the game i was there and i was yelling so loud i said if they do win i might not be able to sing the dog <laughs> i was gonna say your voice sounds great for someone who was at the game yesterday yeah it was it was something i mean oof. God, they took me through it, but I had to give it to them for their resilience, you know, coming back. But uh, I was ticked off most of the game. <laughs> I, I was going to say, were you were you one of the people uh, raining down booze in Ford Field? Uh, well, no, I didn't. I didn't rain down any booze. I was probably raining down some other things, but I can't say it. <laughs> you know, Jared Goff was asked post game about the booze, and he kind of said, "You know, I get it." The fans are so passionate. We love our fans here. I was mad too. He said, so yeah. he was fine with the booze. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm wondering if those booze kind of snap snap something into focus for them or something because um, literally the mo- the moment I gave up on the Lions game and I posted something on Facebook about it, they turned it right around. So, um, so I, well, I guess now that's you're gonna what... have to do that every single time. There you I'll, go. Like, well, yeah. was... <laughs> we can call it one of the greatest comebacks in in history. We can also say it was one of the gr- biggest comebacks that never should have been. Absolutely. You know, right. right? Yeah. Well, uh, without further ado, Lloyd, if you would grace us and do your best, um, unless you want to save it for after Thanksgiving, it's up no, to you. No, I, I, I'm just going to say my little lines that I always say. Let's hear it. Forward down the field. <laughs> oh, there we go. There you go. <laughs> I would not have even known that Lloyd was was screaming for three hours. Oh, yeah. I was. I think I heard him on TV. Actually, <laughs> you may have. When you they picked were like, him beep, out. Beep, beep. Is that Lloyd? What is that? Is that Lloyd or Sharon Moore after last week's game? 
Exactly. Uh, uh, so you guys are out at uh, Gleaners today, huh, Guy? We are. We are at the Gleaners Warehouse. This is an amazing uh, former uh, manufacturing facility that has been adapted to the logistical, the giant logistical task that is delivering 51 million pounds of food wow. a year. And one of the things this is this is the this is the equation to remember today. Thanks to the Chilani family matching every donation up to two hundred thousand dollars, one dollar equals six meals. So, so for a hungry child, one dollar will feed them for two days, and that is the the equation that pays literally for the hungry and the neediest among us uh, as we enter the holiday season. And their demand for food this year in October was up 48% from January, which is normally the leanest Mm. month. So it tells you the need is greater. A lot of that has to do with inflation and food just being priced out of the reach of so many families. But uh, thanks to the Chelani family, we're going to be making that happen today. And the number to call is 855-315-FOOD. And we realize that on a Monday morning, the, the letters on your phone are probably pretty small. So it's, that's 855-315-3663. And uh, we're going to be broadcasting um, from there, Palacio de Bacci, uh, up in, I believe it's Auburn Hills, um, all day raising money for gleaners. So it's going to be a great day here on WJR. I've got uh, three journalists here, and I wanted to just pick your brains here about this uh, Carissa Thompson situation. For those that don't know, Carissa Thompson, you know, from Fox Sports, Amazon Football, um, their Thursday night broadcast. She went on a really popular podcast called Part of My Take last week, and she said that early on in her career, she would sometimes make up reports um, for halftime if she couldn't get a coach to talk to her. And I just kind of wanted to uh, get, get the three of your reactions on that. You remember Chuck Barris and the Gong Show? If I there sure was do. a Gong right now, I would get the biggest mallet and hit it as hard as I can. Maybe want to, yeah. She, I think it's really uh, it's, damaging it's to say really something horrible. like that in passing on a podcast. Yeah. And she came out and not doubled down, but kind of doubled down. No, she clarified, Jamie. Yeah, right. She clarified. She didn't really make it up. I mean, she had other information available. Mm. She gave alternative facts, I think, is what exactly. the, the term would have been. Yeah. She said she said things that no one would dispute, like, oh, we need to really hunker, hunker down or we really need to make sure we take care of the football, things that can't be refuted. So it's not like she... She was vague. Yeah, yeah. but if the right. person never told you that, but you can damaging. say that, you know, you can make that up. That's still not good. For any, not any good. journalist, if that's, you call yourself a journalist, to use the term made up means you fabricated. That's right. It didn't mean you found another story to tell. Mm-hmm. It means, it, or she didn't say, I produced another story. I found another story to yeah. tell. No, made up is made up. Well, I had a feeling the three of you would have something to say say on that. Yeah. Where's my <laughs> and, uh, gong? Yeah. I, you know what? Maybe someone could bring one down to Gleaners for you. You guys are going to be live there from 6 to 9. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitelli. See you tomorrow. A nonprofit group made up of secret donors closely tied to Governor Whitmer raised $12.9 million last year. Craig Mogger has been reporting on the story for the Detroit News, and he talks to Guy Lloyd and Jamie on JR Morning. We just don't know. We don't know when somebody gives thousands of dollars to a political candidate or an office holder just how much influence that buys because... Well, they don't have to disclose the donors in many cases if it is a certain kind of PAC or nonprofit. And that 
has been uh, laid out large by our good friend Craig Mauger, who nobody digs into financial disclosure. Sorry, I didn't know if I was potted up or not. Uh, that this Whitmer okay. Line nonprofit raised $13 okay, million dollars last I'm year on Renee her here. behalf, all of it from secret donors. We don't know what their motivations are. We don't know what they might have gotten in return because there's no way to connect the dots. Craig joins us live this morning, the state politics reporter for the Detroit News. Good morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy Friday. Yeah, how did you come uh, into possession of this information? Was this, I mean, if they don't have to disclose it, how do we learn about it? Well, they have to file a tax filing at some point every year that describes at least in generality how much money they raised and kind of in very broad terms what they spent it on. It doesn't have to say who the donors are. And basically, the Whitmer team, the people who run this nonprofit called Road to Michigan's Future, waited until the very last possible minute. They got the longest extensions that they could, and they filed this document dated November 15th, which is the last day they could have submitted it to the IRS. I knew that they were going to wait until the last day because they had basically told me that. And as soon as November 15th hit, I asked them, you got to hand over this document now, and, and they did. So that's how we got the information. Um, uh, Craig, as you know, the, the, the Democrats were really giving uh, former uh, uh, Governor Rick Snyder a bad time about his nerd fund. It raised, what, $1.3 million. This was raised 10 times as much. You know, why not the, the, the outrage now if you are so concerned about the Snyder's fund? You know, it's a great question, and, and there is definitely – uh, clear hypocrisy going on here from from both sides of the aisle on these issues. I mean, both sides, when they're in power, try to use all the tools that they have at their disposal to win elections. I think that's what Governor Whitmer and the Democrats are doing here. But you've got to ask yourself, you know, why do the comments that they made about Governor Snyder's nerd fund, another fund that raised money in secret, not apply to what Governor Whitmer is doing? Governor Whitmer's Road to Michigan's Future raised $13 million from donors who we generally don't know who they are. There was a donor, we can tell from the tax form, that gave $1.2 million individually. There were two donors that each gave a million dollars. So there is some interest group, company, organization out there that gave a million dollars to help Governor Whitmer. And we, um, the public, the voters, have no idea who that person is. We have no idea what policies the governor might have uh, promoted or signed into law that could affect the person or entity that gave a million dollars. I mean, this is the kind of risk of of corruption that 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 exists. And and it's hard to vet how they're using these accounts because we don't have any information about them. Craig, for background, the Senate rejected an amendment to the bills that would have forced lawmakers to report on a nonprofit organization for which they serve as officers. And then on the other side, the House rejected an amendment that would have required reporting on trips and gifts funded by their own nonprofits. So if they would have done more with this bill, we would have known more about Road to Michigan's future and who these people are, would we not? Uh, No doubt about it. I mean, and that's the thing that I think people should really take note of here. There was an active debate going on in Lansing over the last couple months about whether these financial disclosure forms that voters said, voters said, you got to enact a financial disclosure policy for them, for yourselves. You got to do it. You got to do it by the end of December 2023. The question was, are they going to include in these disclosure forms that cover their personal assets and their uh, income? Are they going to include these nonprofit organizations that they are tied to, that they run, that they benefit from? Are they going to include trips that those nonprofits pay for? 
meals that those nonprofits pay for, gifts to themselves that those nonprofits pay for? Are they going to include any of that in the disclosure form? The majority in the legislature in both the House and Senate included nothing about these nonprofit organizations in the disclosure form. And then a few days later, Governor Whitmer's team files this nonprofit that shows she raised $13 million through one of these. It's hard to tell what it was all spent on. And, you know, we're, we're basically going to not know more about this into the future. Yeah, there's, there's a tendency, I think, when folks hear stories like this, uh, Craig, to say, well, they all do it. Doesn't affect me. Well, you know what? In, in a situation like this, let's say that the folks that were contributing the millions to Road to Michigan's Future were windmill providers or solar array companies that were trying to influence the governor. Now mm-hmm. they've got a policy that says, well, uh, whether you oppose this locally or not doesn't matter. We're going to steamroll these renewable projects. So it can it can have a corrosive influence that you just don't see. You don't know about it, but it can cost you money. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And we've also seen the governor and the Democrats in control of the state legislature advance policies that are focused on handing out large amounts of economic development incentives to private companies to bring projects here. Did one of these companies that got a direct deal with the Whitmer administration to bring a project here, did one of them give to these accounts? I mean, we'll never know. But there are direct relationships and power that the governor has to influence what happens in the business arena in the state, what happens in the political arena in the state. And it's unique power that others don't have. And here here you have it, um, you know, millions upon millions of dollars of anonymous money. I should note on Snyder quickly, he had this nerd fund that was raising, you know, a much smaller amount of money in secret for a few years. There was a massive public outcry against this secret fundraising. And eventually he shut it down and started a nonprofit that disclosed its donors. He continued to raise money through a nonprofit, but he voluntarily listed who the donors were. So he recognized at some point that what he was doing was wrong and tried to correct it. Uh, Craig, um, I want to ask you about Speaker Tate. He talked about some of his priorities when they come back uh, next year, and I know one of them was the uh, the mayor's uh, land tax uh, deal, and also uh, there were some other items. Your thoughts on uh, some of the priorities that Speaker Tate has uh, coming back next year. And how they get it done with a 54-54 split. That's the big deal. You know, that's the question that's going to loom over everything that happens in Lansing. In the past, we all can go back a couple of years. We had Governor Whitmer, a Democrat, in the governor's office, and we had Republicans in control of both chambers of the legislature, and they did manage to get a lot of things done. The question now is, can this new form of state government over the next, you know, potentially five to seven months until these seats that the Democrats have previously held are filled, can they manage to get things done? We're going to have a Democrat-controlled Senate. We're going to have a 54-54 tie in the House. And, and essentially, any bill that is going to go through will have to have a Republican vote and support for some amount of time next year. Are the Republicans going to come to the table and negotiate and try try to help Democrats accomplish things? Or are they going to sit, not play ball and sit back and try to block all the bills that come forward? It's going to be the thing to watch. And that was Craig Mauger from the Detroit News talking about a uh, group of donors that has raised $12.9 million, Governor Whitmer is closely tied to, uh, who don't have to disclose their names. And obviously that raises a lot of questions about 
transparency. Um, you are listening to First Thing on WJR. You can stream us live 24-7, WJR.com. You can download the app, and you can also ask Alexa and Google Home uh, to stream us wherever you are in your house. Just program you. Uh, just program us into all the devices. Yeah, I, that way you won't miss a minute. WJR, First Thing. We'll be right back.